We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Knicks fans, how you doing? It's your boy, John of the Macri, with you for another episode of the Knicks Film School podcast. I am, boy, am I excited. <laughs> I'm excited for a few reasons. One, I'm excited because the Knicks are doing well, obviously. I'm excited because our boy Julius Randle seems like he um, is, uh, you know, maybe not such a long shot for the All-Star team after all. More on that in a second. Uh, but most of all, I'm excited because this is a big week here at Nick's Film School, um, and we are nearing the 300th episode. So uh, the episode you're listening to right now is 299. 300 will drop on Friday. Um, and I will say that in 298, and I hope I'm not offending anybody by saying this. If I, 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 so I'll, let me let me leave myself a little leeway. In 298 um, episodes of recording this show, uh, I've had a lot of great guests on here, but if I was to compile a top five, I'm, I'm not sure who, who the top five, um, exactly would be, but I know, um, the person coming on Friday is, is definitely in there. And the person who I got to interview uh, for today's episode is also there as well. And that is Jason Concepcion. Um, you know him from back in the Grantland days. Uh, for, for a lot of us, Grantland was kind of the Bible of sports media. I know for me, it was like basically like, oh, wait, this is this is the website I've been waiting for my entire life. And, um, you know, he was there for that. Before that, he obviously was with Posting and Toasting. Uh, he was a Knicks blogger. And then he graduated um, in the biggest way possible. And then he went to the ringer. Um, staying with Bill Simmons and now he's at, at Crooked Media. He's, I mean, 
he's been in Time Magazine, uh, listed as best podcast of the year. Um, guy won an Emmy. I mean, he's just talk about someone who has lived the dream um, that I know a lot of us, you know, kind of aspire to. So he joined me for the conversation today. Uh, we recorded it on uh, Sunday night on Valentine's day night. So uh, a couple of days ago, we didn't, we didn't reference the Hawks game because it hadn't happened yet. If you're wondering, but you're, you're going to enjoy this conversation um, because he gives, I mean, we talk about the Knicks obviously, but he also gives a lot of great insight on, um, you know, kind of his journey and, and I think gives some really good advice to other people who, um, you know, maybe looking to follow in the same footsteps. I, I know it was, was valuable to, to me to hear him. So uh, Jason Concepcion coming up very soon. Uh, but first, but first, but first. The all-star voting. It, I'm, I'm sitting here recording this. It is uh, 5.33 um, on Tuesday, February 16th. And um, we have just come off. Um, I, I don't. I don't know if it was. The, was it the biggest Nick win of the year? Let me think about that for a second. The, the Bucks win felt great. The first Hawks win felt great. Um, the Pacers comeback win felt great. Uh, there are a couple other ones I'm I'm sure I'm forgetting, but this one felt really really big because there was a sense of legitimization that that went on as a result of this win, and um, I think the most important thing that it did aside from legitimizing the Knicks in the eyes of a lot of people, me at least, um, is it really cemented Julius Randle's all-star case? And I, I'm not going to go on for too long about Randle because I did a whole rant on him last night that was kind of unfiltered. And uh, if you want to listen to that, uh, it's on the it's on the YouTube channel. It's probably on your podcast stream somewhere. I don't know. Andrew Claudio puts these things out everywhere. Um, but what I wanted to do real quick right now is go through my all-star ballot and give you who I think is most deserving to make the, the East team. I, um, I didn't do the West because I didn't, I don't think it's fair because I didn't put in the research that I did for the East and I would just kind of be naming, you know, I would be naming names based on partially what I've watched. I mean, I, I watched, I've probably watched every team a couple times at least. Um, but I don't want to give you an op- opinion that's, that's not really well informed. Um, but I did a hell of a lot of research for the East. So that opinion, I will give you. Um, first and foremost, let me just solidify the case for Randall, which if you're curious to read in a little bit more detail, um, check out today's next film school newsletter. Um, in short, um, I'll give you a couple stats. One, um, he is making a massive impact on how his team performs on the court. Uh, if you go to cleaning the glass, they have a, they, they basically translate the, their on-off number into an added wins metric. So it's like over a course of 82-game season, how many, how many wins does this player add? And Julius Randle adds 13 wins, which is right around the middle of the pack amongst all of the people that are in consideration for the All-Star team. It's actually a little lower than the, the middle. It's probably like 40th or 45th percentile. But here's the key. He is in the 96th percentile um, for his position Um or rather for the entire league, it's grouped by position in usage rate. 
And when you look at these, uh, as my daughter's very excited in the background about Julius Randle's all-star candidacy, when you look at these on-off metrics and like wins added and all this kind of stuff, I think you have to also look at it in conjunction with usage because if a guy, if it says a guy is adding X amount of wins, but he's not doing a ton for his team um, when he's actually on the floor, I think like, for instance, I'll give you an easy one. Um, Tobias Harris, his usage rate is 22.7. Julius Randles is 28.2. Julius is in the 96th percentile. Tobias is in the 82nd percentile. Um, you know, Fred Van Vliet for, again, accounting for position, 79th percentile. He's added 24 wins. It's a lot of wins, more than Julius is 13. But again, putting into context with the usage, um, and when you look at all the players who have added at least 10 wins and are in the top 5% for usage in the Eastern Conference, only five names come up. Joel Embiid, Kevin Durant, Giannis Antetokounmpo, so your three front court starters, Jason Tatum, who everybody agrees is a lock, and Julius Randle. And then the guy that just missed, Jalen Brown, 94th percentage in usage, 10, ad- 10 added wins. So it's like, okay, so Julius is right up there with the the six guys who everybody seems to agree, or excuse me, the five guys who everybody seems to agree should get on the team. But somehow he he's not an automatic addition. That's a little strange to me. Um, a little bit more. Um, best availability is availability. Or best ability is availability. How did I screw that up? Yeah. Anyway, leave it to me. Only been 299 podcasts. I'll get it right one of these days. Um, Julius Randle has played a larger percentage of his team's available minutes than any. Let me repeat that. Than any other contender for the Eastern Conference All-Star team. Um, it might be the more the greater percentage of his team's minutes than anybody else in the Eastern Conference. Again, I didn't look at the West. Maybe Dame is higher, but... Um, 77% of his team's minutes, the closest guy who's in contention for a, an Eastern Conference All-Star um, play, uh, spot is Van Fleet with 76%. Then you got Jeremy Grant, 74, Brogdon, 74, Levine, 74, Sabonis, 74. Everybody else is under 70%. You know, and there's a couple of guys like Kyrie Irving. Kyrie Irving is going to make the team, and he should make the team. He's played in half of his team's minutes. Kevin Durant has played in under half of his team's minutes. James Harden has played out of the, all of the minutes the Nets have been on the court this year. He's been on the court with Brooklyn for 41% of them. And I understand he was in Houston for a while, but I don't even think we should count that time because he was like a, an active detriment to what they were trying to do. And then you got Jimmy Butler dragging up the rear with 37%, um, which is just to me that pretty much disqualifies him. Although I'm seeing his name on a lot of ballots, which is just like, how do you appear on ballots when you're when you've played in less than half the percentage of your team's minutes as a guy like Randall? Someone has to explain that to me. Um, third reason uh, he's on, he gets no help. You look at all these other teams, Philly, Milwaukee, Brooklyn, Indiana, Boston, Miami, Toronto. All of them have two guys in this all-star conversation. But there's, you know, for the Knicks, it's just Randall. And there are some other guys who fall into that category too. Gordon Hayward, although Rogier has been good. Zach Levine, um, Trey Young, Vucevic. Um, Jeremy Grant and Bradley Beal. But then you consider the fact that, well, how are the Knicks doing versus how are those other teams doing? The Knicks are doing better than all of them, all those teams. Um, And I would argue they have a worse supporting cast than all of those teams. So um, fourth reason I I went and looked at a whole mess of advanced stats that I will not bore you with. (laughs) But um, as, as Zach Lowe said, vorps and whips and pips and all kinds of things. 
Um, and I, I compiled them all in one spreadsheet. Again, it's all in the today's next film school uh, newsletter. Um, and then I, I gave, I did a weight an average. Um, and I ranked everybody based on where, where their average ranking was. And Julius Randall was ninth after here are the guys he was after. So two guys stand alone, Joel Embiid and Giannis Antetokounmpo. Then came James Harden and Kyrie Irving, who are kind of in a second tier by themselves. And then there's a big group after that. And it's Middleton, it's Durant, it's Jalen Brown, it's Drew Holiday, then comes Randall. Then you got Ben Simmons, Trey Young, Bradley Beal, Vooch, Adebayo, bit of a drop-off to Van Fleet, and then there's a bigger drop-off, and then you have Tatum. Interesting that the uh, advanced stats don't, don't really think highly of Jason Tatum. Um, and then everybody else. And then, um, you know, if you just want to go like straight counting stats, he's 20, 10, and 5 on 40% shooting. Vork had that uh, yesterday. It's only him and Larry Bird that's ever done that. So, um, yeah, just to, just to cap off my rant from, from Monday night, uh, Julius Randle's an all-star. Um, who do I have joining him? Um, so, I think, first of all, the five starters, Embiid, Giannis, and Durant, they're no-brainers. Um, Bradley Beal... If someone thought enough to keep him off of their team because of the Wizards and how bad they are and how not only are the Wizards bad, um, Beal, in terms of on off, like he doesn't grade out that wonderfully. Um, the He is worth five wins over an 82 game season based on the advanced numbers. So, I mean, you could blame that on Washington's other starters if you want. But, I mean, the man is in the 99th percentile for usage. He's leading the league in scoring. I mean, that team is just utter dog shit. Russell Westbrook is, I don't even know what Russell Westbrook is. He's, he's not in this conversation. I know that. Um, I'm fine with, with Bradley Beal getting a starting nod. He, he would be on my team even if he wasn't getting a starting nod. And then Kyrie Irving. Um, and listen, I went on this podcast a few weeks ago, and I, I said some harsh things about Irving and him taking time off. And, you know, that might have been a little bit much, but I said it because for a very specific reason. I think it's admirable what he did and I, because he wasn't afraid to do it. And if people need time for their mental health, every person should take time for their mental health. But when you play a team sport and you have other guys who look around and, and look to you for leadership and, and depend on you for their livelihood, um, you know, it becomes a little dicier and it really becomes dicey in conversations like this about the all-star team, because like, again, no one's saying what he did is, was wrong. But how am I supposed to just look past that and say, oh, let's let's pretend that didn't happen. Let's pretend he didn't set out those nine games um, and not hold that against him when you're comparing him against other guys who if you take if you remove the like take the, the nine games he missed into account. I don't think he's head and shoulders above like too many of these guys. Um, I think in the end, he should get the benefit of the doubt because he's been that good. Um so I don't, again, I don't have an issue with it, but I don't know if he wasn't a starter, it, it would have made me think, but again, he makes my team fair and square. Who else is on my team besides Julius Randall, who I, I do honestly, if I was to list out, forget who was, who's going to be voted in as a starter. I think Julius Randall in my book would be like maybe the fifth most deserving guy, fourth, fifth, something like that. I know that I'm coming off like an absolute Homer by saying that I don't really care. Um, I think he's been that good. Other guys, um, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, um, the the 
Celtics, as I'm recording this, are a 500 team. They're not that great. Um, and they are underperforming expectations. It, there's nothing that indicates that it is, it is those guys' fault. Uh, they are both playing really well at both ends of the court. Um, you know, I, I mentioned their names in that statistic a few minutes ago. They're deserving. Um, they, they belong there. I don't think anyone's going to argue with that. Uh, same thing with Harden. What he did in, in Houston was deplorable. Um, I love how Draymond Green and his rant the other night after the game was like, no one's going to argue that, that Harden was mailing it in at the end in Houston. Like, that's horrible. But, you know, there's a reason the guy's been in the top three in MVP voting for whatever it's been, five of the last six years. He's, he's one of the five or six best players in basketball. Um, and he's been really good in Brooklyn. So Harden also makes my team along with the two Boston guys and Randall. Um, and then Chris Middleton. Um, the advanced uh, metrics say that the Bucks are the second best team in basketball this year. Doesn't feel like it because it feels like every time I look up, they're either like losing a game they shouldn't be losing or like in a fairly close game, but somehow their net rating is what it is. Uh, Chris Middleton's the second best player on that team. Uh, they're the second best team in the East. Chris Middleton's really good. Um, I, I don't know what, what else there is to say. Uh, and so, so those are my 10. Those are my personal 10 that I had no issue with. Very easy for me to put those 10 guys. I really struggled with my last four. And my last four came down to Ben Simmons, Trey Young, Zach Levine, and Bam Adebayo. Um, with with apologies to um, with apologies to um, who oh god who am I apologizing to with apologies to Gordon Hayward um, Gordon Hayward would be the the next guy up but just the advanced metrics are are really not like all the advanced numbers none of them like him um, in terms of you know he it, yes he's playing a good deal of minutes he's played sixty eight percent of his team's minutes but if you if you look at the on-off stats, he's added 12 wins. He's only in the 85th percentile in usage. Um, that team's pretty good. Like, ball's been good. Um, Terry Rozier, like I said, has been good. You know, P.J. Washington's been been good. Um, they've gotten production from, like, Malik Monk and, you know, a couple other guys. Like, they're, Devontae Graham, I haven't even mentioned Devontae Graham. He's started to come around. Um, and they're still under 500. So, um, apologies to Gordon Hayward. He doesn't make my short list. Um, the next guy I have off, and this is tough, is Zach Levine. And Zach Levine is averaging, well, I don't know what he, 28 points a game, um, something like that, 28, 29 a game. I don't know what the exact number is. It's a lot of points. And he's doing it efficiently, and he is passing the ball. He's, you know, he's, he's averaging a decent number of assists. Um, but the on-off numbers, man, um, so according, again, not a perfect statistic by any means, but according to cleaning the glass, Zach Levine has been worth minus 26 wins this year. Um, and when I did my averages of all of those advanced numbers, he was fourth from the bottom above only Brogdon, Lowry Hay and Hayward. Um, the <laughs> ESPN's, uh, I don't know what ESPN uses to calculate their real plus minus, um, but he ranked 140th there, which is um, that's not what you want. Uh, so, and here's the thing at the end of the day, like if you magically removed Zach Levine from the Bulls, I think they'd be worse. 
but I'm not positive. Uh, maybe that's a little harsh, but it's like, you know, in comparison to Randall, I know what, what would happen if the Knicks didn't play without Julius Randall. They wouldn't have any wins. Um, that's for sure. So then my last uh, two spots came down to three guys, uh, Ben Simmons, Trey Young, and uh, Bam Adebayo. And uh, against my better judgment, well, actually, no, let me, let me start. Ben Simmons was the easier of the two. Um, so Simmons I have in. And he uh, is the second best player for the best team in the Eastern Conference. He is the most versatile defender in basketball, if not the best defender in basketball. And he still fills up the stat sheet. He still does a lot of stuff every night. I know we focus on the one thing he doesn't do, but lo and behold, um, the Sixers played a game without Joel Embiid the other night um, in Phoenix. And uh, Ben Simmons goes off for a career high. I think he had 42 points. So, is Ben Simmons like sacrificing for the betterment of the team? Like what would he be if Joel Embiid wasn't there? We don't know that, but we certainly know that the Sixers aren't suffering for whatever it is he's doing, because again, they have the best record in the conference. So Simmons makes my team, which leads me uh, down to Trey young and bam out of bio. I could have flipped the coin. Um, I really don't like Trey young. I don't like watching him play. I don't like how he draws fouls. I don't, like the fact that he's probably the worst defender in the NBA. Um, I don't like, I don't like a lot of things about him. I, I, I thought for a hot minute, I might want him on the Knicks someday. I don't, I really don't. But again, you look at the numbers and they're pretty crazy. And you look at the on off and of all of the guys that are in consideration for an Eastern conference playoffs by after Joel Embiid, who is, probably the MVP of the league right now. The second best guy is Trey Young. Uh, Cleaning the glass says he's added 36 um, wins. Um, He has, you know, played two thirds of uh, his team's minutes, which for a slight guy is like a decent amount. Um, And he is not really getting a ton of help. They've been injured. Not a great record. Um, you know, I didn't love their signings and sure enough, bogey's out like Gallinari's looking old. Um, you know, Rondo's been out, you know, whatever happened with Collins. Here's my hesitation in putting young in over Bam. I think Bam is the, the kind of guy that every player in the league would kill to play with because he does all the right things all the time. And he's just. He's just so he does. He's everything. He's like your your dream. Like if you got to root for Bam at a bio every night on your team, you should consider yourself incredibly lucky. Whereas I'm not sure Trey Young's teammates like playing with him. That shit matters a lot, but I can't. I just can't overlook the fact that like when they're in the lineup, their teams have the same record, and I can't look at you know, Atlanta and be like, Oh, well they have much better supporting talent than what Miami has had in the games that Bam has played. Cause I don't find, I don't think that that's true. Um, Miami is a better coach. They have a better organization. They have a better culture. They have better everything. Bam benefits from that as much as they benefit from him. Uh, and I, I, I mean, you look at the raw numbers, you look at the on off numbers, you look at the advanced stats. It's like Trey is, has Bam in all of those, in all of those. Um, I will say that Bam is a little extra hurt by RPM. He he actually is better, a little bit better than Trey and all the other ones, like the, the basketball reference um, advanced numbers. So maybe I'm being unfair to, I am, I am being unfair to Bam. I am absolutely being unfair to Bam. I wish I wasn't, 
Um, but this is a really tough call. If you want to call me an asshole for having had a bio over Trey Young, I, I won't argue with you. Um, who knows? I might flip flop them tomorrow. Um, but Trey Young's a real offensive weapon. And we saw it as, as aggravating as that game was to watch. You can't watch that and not come away thinking like, my goodness, this guy is just an absolute. He's a he's a pain in the ass. Um, and uh, yeah, that's that's why he made my team. So um, that's my all stars for the East. Uh, if you're a basketball junkie, then, you know, there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis. Analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. I, I really hope Randall makes it uh, voting. Obviously will have ended by the time this podcast goes up. So you can't vote anymore, but you know, if you're listening to this and you know, an NBA coach or, you know, someone who knows someone who knows an NBA coach, um, feel free to forward it along. I just, he's earned it, man. He's earned it. He's absolutely earned it. And I hope he gets it. He deserves it. Um, Knicks wouldn't be anywhere close to where they are without him. So, joining me now That's on cool. the Knicks Film School <laughs> podcast. Oh God, I can't even get the goddamn intro out. That's um, cool. Oh, that's nice. That's cool. He is holding up a Patrick Ewing card to the camera. If you're listening to this on the podcast, you can't cool. see it, but you're you're missing out. Cool. He's an Emmy winner. Let's go. He has a signed poster of John Starks the Dunk in his podcast studio. I don't think this is his first podcast. I think Time Magazine may have mentioned a podcast he may have done at some point in the past um, as being better than bad, um, which the Knicks coincidentally are right now. He has spoken at MIT Sloan. He is the host and executive producer for Crooked Media. He is the blog boys like idealized fantasy. Maybe it could be me. Let's too, go. Because Jason Concepcion fucking did it. Let's go. Let's go. Doing? I'm it's doing great. Like- I'm feeling great. I'm feeling good about the Knicks. And you know, for the first time in a long time, uh, it's it's a joy to watch them play. Are there a few quibbles about things? Sure. But overall, we're winning. It's a. It's uh It feels good. We're gonna be in the playoffs probably. It's just great. It's a fantastic time to be a Nick fan. Is it okay to feel this I mean, good? Because I, I feel great, and I don't feel, I feel bad great. about feeling great. I don't feel bad about it. I we've been through enough. We've been through uh, enough grief and pain. We're watching a good team. We've got a coach who is maximizing the talent that's on the team. 
Julius Randall's playing magnificent. We've got a, a nice, really promising rookie and not the one we thought we had. <laughs> I was about to, I was waiting for it. <laughs> and, and so uh, that, by the way, fills, uh, fills a need that we've uh, been, that's just been a, a vacant hole for a while, which is uh, some kind of playmaker in the backcourt. Uh, it's, it's great. It's, it's wonderful to be a Nick fan right now. It is. And I, I've, I've been spending a lot of time thinking about like what, what this year represents for those of us who have been through the thick and thin. And oh, yeah. I, honestly, I, I'm trying to, I'm having trouble figuring out what my favorite part is. If it's the hope, like legit, there's real hope. Yeah, there's real hope. That, feels that good. the future might not suck, but the present is also good. Yeah, I I think my favorite part of it is just having, uh, you know, looking at the moves, looking at the things that are happening, even if I happen to disagree with uh, certain things in the moment and under and feeling like there's a cohesive plan. They're sticking to it. The Rose regime is the Leon Rose regime is is managing to strike this balance between building and competing and is really pulling it off in a real way. You know, it's like obviously uh, uh, Thibs and his coaching staff, they want to win games at the same time. You don't want to chase bad deals to do that. And Leon Rose is managing to do that. They're doing that. I'm just, here's what I wonder. Does Leon Rose have uh, some kind of container in his backyard where he can keep (laughs) bird seed? And does he have a hundred thousand dollars buried back there? Does he have a million? I was just, you know, a couple of stacks. I just, he seems, he seems to have a command of the room. Would you, would you not? And we've, we've heard him all of one time since he's taken the job. So maybe that's a bit, you know, much for me to say. Uh, well, listen, I've, you know, we've been through so many regimes where guys didn't, where, you know, uh, GMs and various execs either spoke too much or didn't speak at all. And the through line through all those teams was a mess on the court, a mess in terms of the various moves being made. This time, uh, it it feels cohesive. It feels good. It feels like there's uh, a real command of of uh, the levers uh, that go into building a team. Yeah. It feels like there's a real understanding of throughout the organization of what the team wants to do. They don't want to get caught in bad deals. They want to uh, acquire assets when they can. They want to use their uh, cap space strategically. They're not going to make moves just to make moves. Weaponize it like that sword on your wall. That is, yes. that is the Knicks cap space right now. I, They're wielding. You know, it's, it's, it's available here. If anybody wants to park a bad deal here to uh, part with some uh, first round picks, we're, we're available. We're open. Ready? But we're not just... But we're not just going to burn it, you know, on some washed up vet or a vet at the on the back end of their uh, peak to just chase wins. They're not going to do that. And that is that is great. That's great. And and, you know, and and sorry to cut you off. And then and the concern that we had about Rose coming in was uh, just don't take minutes from quickly. And that's not happening. No, that's decidedly not happening so all in all i'm feeling good well let's talk about quickly for a sec um you uh once upon a time 
co-authored a book about a young man uh, by the name of Jeremy Lin, who mm-hmm. 10 years ago, I actually, well, hold on, we have to go back because I remember that day like it was yesterday. I saw that game-winning shot in a bar on a date oh, man. with a girl who didn't think it was a date, and I did, and that sucked for me. <laughs> um, yeah, it was just, listen, this happens sometimes. Um, where were you when that shot went down? Well, which shot? The, the, which the Jeremy Toronto. Lynn shot? Yeah, the Jeremy Lynn Toronto. <laughs> I was, I was sitting in, I was, uh, in front of my TV, just screaming, screaming. It, I mean, it didn't feel like, it didn't feel real. No. It didn't feel like, I remember watching it go up and thinking, oh man, that's, is that going to go in? Did that go in? Is this really happening? It was just, absolutely incredible and that was the rocket ship yeah the strut strutting back you know back to his teammates look on his face i mean it just was unbelievable what what an unbelievable feeling that was just like hitting the lottery you know like a scratch off like scratching all the numbers off and realizing you just won a million dollars it felt great (laughs) um well speaking of a million dollars so he was undrafted uh yeah the 25th pick so not quite the same um but this feels this feels like a real thing, this kid, right? Oh, yeah, like feels, you've watched more NBA basketball than anyone. In- well, I would go that far. I've watched a lot of NBA basketball. I've watched and, a lot of NBA basketball. And I've watched a lot of Knicks basketball and it does feel real. You know, like, cause it, you know, what, there were, there were certain things, first of all, that really carried over from, uh, from some of his college stuff, which is the ability to, to get to the line, which is fantastic. Yeah. Such as like a huge, huge weapon to have that. Um, it just feels he there and there is there's a real canniness like, OK, it's, since we started with insanity, even when it was happening, it felt a little fluky. Right. It felt fluky. He can only go right. Oh, gonna yeah. You know, like he could only go right. People didn't seem to know it yet. And that's fine. But quickly, has got some real weapons. The floater is a real weapon. Yeah. He's got that uh, real that very intelligent kind of uh, herky jerk ability to come off the pick and roll and then stop and wait to see if his defender is going to run over his back and draw that foul. Uh, And that's all just real student of the game craft. You can't teach it. He's got a great feel and it's just a joy to watch him play. It's fin. It's just wonderful to watch him play. And, you know, the point to the on-offs are screaming, this kid is a good player. The advanced numbers are are wonderful. It's just great that we have. But and, thankfully, and, and, thankfully, we have Alfred Payton in the starting lineup, because without that, obviously, quickly would not be looking as good. So really, it's, we should all we owe Tibbs a debt of gratitude because, yeah, yeah it's it, it, big time for Tibbs to to make it. it Bring the kid and bring him up a level by starting. Absolutely. Let him let him feast on some weaker lineups. Yeah. Uh, And and I know, like, listen, we're screaming for him to start. There are uh, fans that are screaming for him to start. I have screamed from at different times for him to start. He he keeps playing like this. He will absolutely start. But let him get his, uh, you know, it's it's rare for rookies to look good. And he looks good. And so let him continue to feast on these bench lineups. It's and obviously it's working. You um are you surprised by what Tibbs is doing? Um 
I don't know if I should. Uh, no, not really, because he's he's doing the things he's always done. Right. He's he's uh, he's finding a core rotation of guys that he's going to play a fucking lot. And he's and he yeah, and he's and he's uh, and he's letting him do that. He is giving his trust to, you know, guys like Alfred, Alfred Payton, who is repaying that by playing really, really hard. He's uh, you know, he's telling his guys play defense and pass the ball and you will play a lot of minutes and guys are maxing out his talent for that. Like it, the numbers you know, going back to Minnesota, going back to Chicago, he's always gotten the most of the talent that he's had. You think about like guys like DJ Augustine having like career years, Nate, Nate Robinson, like having career years under him. And that's because he's like, if you play hard and you play defense, you will play. And so he's 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 doing that now i i guess you know the th- the things that, you know when you look at julius randall leading the league in minutes uh the minutes that rj is playing the minutes that the starting lineup is playing in general is that a concern right now not really but it's the thing that thibs is known for so in in that sense he's not surprising any of us he's doing the thing that he's done since he's been a head coach in the league and it's paying off we're, we're reaping the benefits you mentioned Mr. Randall. Um, yeah. I, I, uh, I've been beating the all-star drum and I feel, here's the thing. I don't feel like I'm being the raw, the the blue and uh, orange pom-poms guy by beating the drum. I, I feel like I am doing God's work by bringing attention <laughs> to this man who is doing, listen, there's not a lot of guys six, eight, you know, throughout the history yeah. of the NBA that are averaging five assists a game. Um, are you on the, on the Kool-Aid scale? Are 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 you where are you at? Like, okay, how soon can we sign him to a max? Are you like? Oh wow, that's. I mean, it's a good question, right? It's it's a it's a fascinating question. Um, twenty two, eleven, and six. Those are insane numbers, right? Decent efficiency, not not crazy, not not great efficiency, but but good enough, right? A little, and he's he's fallen off a little bit in the efficiency in the recent weeks. Um. I think to sign him to a max, it's like, okay, what's, what's the number? What is the number? I am not against it. Here's what's great about this year for the Knicks. We can just let it play out and make a decision at the end of the year, right? Cause there are a lot of weird here. There's a lot of, I'm not, I'm certainly not against signing him, but there are a lot of weird variables this year. Uh, it's a contract year for you. Number one, number two, he's leading the league in minutes. Right. Number three. COVID strange scheduling, a lot of lot of weird results happening. We got two centers uh, in the MVP race. Utah is the best team in the league. A lot of other kind of strange variables are popping up here and there. Weird results. Um how much can you really buy into Julius's numbers? I'm a I'm a believer in that he can continue to do this, but obviously, again, the minutes thing. Let's 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 let it play out and then make a decision at the at the end of the year. Like, where why why rush it right now? I think that's a great place to be. Um, it, and if you can get him for the number that you want, sure, extend him. Why not? Like that, you know, he's he's in the age range that is workable with the rest of your young pieces so i'm not not yeah i'm not i'm not against it but i i think no rush 
let's let it let's let's see what happens over the rest of the season. I I, I like that approach. Um, I, I'm gonna give you. A, I'm gonna give you four names. Because mm-hmm. we we can't live in the moment. We're Knicks fans. It's not possible. Of course. Okay. Sure. Um, just random names: Kawhi Leonard, Bradley Beal, Carl Anthony Towns, Devin okay. Booker. Do you think any of those four names will ever play a game for the New York Knicks before they're like you know forty? Um, I could, s- I could see maybe Beal, um, uh, as a first step to the rest of those names. I think th- when you look at Kawhi, for instance, I think that he's shown that uh, he'll go to a team if he feels like they can lock down another star. Yeah. Uh, Beal, Beal obviously is fascinated with uh, uh, remaining, uh, of being the kind of player who stays in one place for a long time. But I feel like at some point, there's just such a dog shit fucking team. Like they are so hard to watch. Russ is is deteriorating, deteriorating before our eyes in a really sad way. It's absolutely really sad to watch him play sometimes now. Defensively, they're absolute disaster. And I say that as a as a person who's watched so many defensively disastrous teams. Um, and at I you and you know, Kamiya is on Twitter after every game being like, get him out. <laughs> like what this can't continue. And so I feel like at some point, it's not what you want. And at some point, push will come to shove and and he'll be like, all right, get me out of here. So I I, I feel like that's that's a possibility. Who else did you say? Sorry, Kawhi. Uh, again, randomly. Uh, Kawhi, I, you mentioned Carl uh, Anthony Townsend and Devin Booker are the other two. And, and if uh, you got anybody else to throw in the conversation, I just, you know, this is me spitballing. Carl, uh, it would be a homecoming for him, uh, which would I think would be wonderful. Uh, and I think there's some possibility there, but I think Beal is the one who... Obviously, there's a lot of teams hunting for for a Beal trade right now. But I, I would say Beal, since he so obviously seems like he could move soon, would be the one that I'd think could go. Uh, Devin Booker. I can't yeah, get a read on that situation. Can you? Inf- it, do you think I, I he likes being there now? I don't know. It's Here's the thing. They're playing well. What are they? Uh, 15 and f- yeah, 15 and 9, 14 and 9, something like that. Fourth in the East, fourth in the West. At the same time, when you watch them play, it's not like there's this weird, uh, amazing chemistry between him and Chris Paul. I don't, it's hard to know really what the situation is there. I feel like he, I, I, I don't feel like Phoenix is, is eager to let go of him. And well, that's fair. I just don't see him. I don't see him moving anytime soon. So I would say in, in, in the order that you gave me, Beal, Cat, Kawhi, Devin Booker. Like if we could land Beal, then maybe you know something could happen with Kawhi. But it's, again, with Kawhi, it just feels like he's he's only going to places where they've they're going to lock down that other star. Got to get so, to Uncle or, Dennis. Got to get to yeah. Uncle Dennis. Uncle Dennis has all the. Hey, do like do you want to swing some real estate deals? Like, uh, what do you what do you need to happen, Uncle D? Like, we can. Uncle do you want to? <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> what, what, what do you need let us know maybe we, we, we know people some, yeah we know people 
Actually, that's a good a couple more of them to get you out of here because I know you're God knows you're a busy man. Um, you just appeared in uh, the article that Howard Beck wrote, which, by the way, Howard, if you're listening to this, I'm insulted that I was not asked to participate in that <laughs> exercise. Um, this fan base is is unlike any other. Um, if if we are let's let's uh, fast forward three and a half, whatever it is, months from now, let's say we're the six seed. Let's say we're going up sure. against uh, who do we want? Who do we want to face? Let's see. Fuck around and say Brooklyn? That would be fucking incredible, wouldn't it? Let's say we're two. It's it's fine. Let's make it Brooklyn. We're 2-2. It's been four competitive games. I like it. Honestly, that could happen right now. It's in the cards for this season. It's in the cards for this season. But that's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. The, the the Nick fan like we have the best fan base in sports. It's the biggest fan base in sports. It's the most. It's, it's the most well. You know, like could you imagine what this fan base is going to be like if that happens? That's it's. I, I can't. Everybody's going to be coming out of the woodwork. Yeah, I miss. I miss that feeling, you know, of being just being in the mix, of of being in the playoffs. You know, I it it will be truly amazing. And this is a story I've told a million times, but like. There's a different feel to New York when the when the when the Knicks are relevant, when when the Lynn thing was happening. I remember I was working in Manhattan and I like I didn't want to I didn't want to miss the beginning of the game. So I took a cab all the way to Brooklyn where I lived and we were playing the heat. And that was, of course, the game where, where uh, Jeremy got exposed. But uh, be that as may, I, I was coming uh, down the BQ and I remember looking up at the uh, at the, you know, at the various apartment buildings as I'm going by and you could see tvs all along the way tuned to msg and people waiting for the game and there's just like there's a vibe uh i can't wait to feel that you know like it'll be fun Uh, hopefully you know once this once we get the vaccine rollout and there's people in the garden the garden's gonna be rocking i was thinking the other day like especially uh you know once the rose deal was announced imagine what it would have imagine some of those games in the garden when when Thibs either pulls quickly too soon. Oh my god. Or like or 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 Alfred is in the game and it's Austin Rivers and people are chanting, we want quickly. Like I I, I miss shit like that. I miss shit thing. like that. That's better than we want. No offense. I know he was a, a big contributor to NBA desktop. That's better than we want fucking Cantor. Okay. Oh yeah. I mean, that's like, which was ridiculous anyway. Exactly. <laughs> my boy. Yeah, absolutely. Or even like one of my favorite chants of all time, early 2000s. After the Keith Van, after Keith Van Horn was traded, Keith Van Horn, like chanting because we missed Keith Van Horn. That's where, that's the place that we've come from. Those, those like missing that's the, Keith Van Horn, the, the dark forest that we are just now hopefully emerging from. I can't wait until, uh, till we get that energy. And I think we're going to listen. If things continue like this health, obviously a concern minutes, a concern, but if things continue the way uh, they seem to be trending right now, we'll be in the postseason this year. And it's, it's just going to be fantastic to see. Um, last one. I'm going to let you go uh, mercifully before I, because uh, I, I could, I could mm-hmm. nerd out with you for the next hour because I mean, binge mode, everything. We get a Marvel for hour. I mean, literally. Yeah, let's do it. I, <laughs> <laughs> what do you want to talk about Marvel? We could talk about it for a second. You're you um you know I texted you the other day. You're uh, mm-hmm. I, you literally have, have revolutionized content creation. Oh, thanks. Um, That's really I, I know you don't want to hear it, um, but I'm going to say it anyway. Uh, you, you know, 
did it hit you at some point? I, I, this is the thing I, I had to ask. Did it hit you at some point being like, holy shit, I'm doing some r- real shit and it's, it's good stuff. And I'm making like, I am influencing how media happens. I don't know what the right verb is, but like, th- does there come a moment where you're, you know, and I'm, I'm just being honest with you. Cause this is like what I wonder because you have made it my friend. Um, it, um, it, it's interesting. It, I mean, there's a moment where, you know, everybody works hard, right? You work hard on this podcast. You work hard on your newsletter, which is, uh, please listen. I'm sure everybody listening to this receives the newsletter, but please uh, receive it, sign up for it and read it. Um, uh, everybody that's out there, whether it, it works hard. Uh, and so there's no guarantee that people will like your shit even as much sweat and effort as you put into it there's no guarantee that that will happen like every there's people out here uh you know uh, slaving over their keyboards to write blog posts that are insightful and great and funny and and reveal stuff about the way uh teams work and players play uh and that maybe don't get the pop that they should like there's reddit threads that are that you could tell that people put a ton of work into that don't necessarily uh get the, the the attention they deserve so i when when binge mode took off and people really started listening to it it felt great because you just you never expect it i don't go in i just try to do fun interesting stuff and work as hard as i can and if people pay attention to it it's like really amazing so it it, it when that popped off and when people like started really liking desktop it felt good because, you know, we put a lot of work into it, like 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 anybody else, and that people would pay attention to it felt great. Um, I, you know, I, like I, to a certain extent, I I f- still feel like every single thing that I make, I'm, you feel like you're starting from ground zero. I'm sure you feel like that when you when you write the news. I was really hoping like, you'd say something different because I I was like one day I just want to wake up and be like that's it I figured no, it out I got it no it never had it, it truly never it truly it never happens uh, you know every time I write something and then I send it out and then it goes up I'm like that feels great I feel good for like a half hour and then if I when I have to sit down to the keyboard again I'm like how the fuck did I ever do this. I completely forgot how I did it. How did I do it last time? And that's the same with podcasting and everything. It's like, how did, man, how did it, how did I do that? How does, how do you do it again? It, it never, it really never goes away. But like, if there's one trick I figured out is like, kind of like how to weaponize that. And I think I can tell by, you know, reading, uh, you know, listening to your pod and, and, and reading the newsletter that you've, uh, that maybe you figured that out too, which is, that kind of feeling of, oh, I don't know how to do this anymore. That just drives me to like, okay, let, uh, you know, go back to cleaning the glass and research a little harder or like, uh, or I'll watch the, I'll watch that segment of the Marvel movie again. And maybe something will pop up, like, just like research harder, find that thing. That's like the, the, the thing that you can, uh, that you can put into your work. That's like, oh, they really put the work in, you know, and, and figure out, if that's a way around it, that's a way to like quiet that voice of like, man, I forgot, I completely forgot how to do any, any of this shit. So it, I guess the long, that that's a long way of answering your question and saying it, you'd never, 
I don't feel like I've made it, although clearly, like, I have a job which feels good. You have but a fucking Emmy behind you. I do. I'm well, looking at it right now. <laughs> I can well, see it. it. That was a great moment in my life. And you know what? It's getting nominated, first of all, was like unbelievable. That didn't feel real because, like, we filmed that show, like, legitimately in a closet at that point in time. So, like, the, to, to, and then we were up against, like, MLB and, like, all, like, Major League Baseball and, like, all these other outfits that were pouring millions into, like, stuff. So, like, to even be nominated and then to win felt, uh, it, it didn't feel real at the time. And, you know, it, I remember, uh, Eric Rideholm, who is the producer of, you know, Pardon the Interruption and has a, a bajillion Emmys and has been nominated for a bajillion Emmys. He was very, very nice to me and Jason Gallagher at that at that um, Emmy ceremony. And he was like, we were just like asking him, OK, like, what do we what what do we do if this happens? What what happens after this? Like, what and he's like, well, you guys are in a good he's he gave us so many tips and was very nice to us. And then when we won, he was like. This is great because even though maybe you don't feel any different, this legitimizes you in the business. Like it, it's a thing that will go on your resume that even though, you know, like in, in, in your heart and in your mind, you're not, you're, you don't feel like an Emmy winner or a genius. People will see that next to your name and it'll mean that you're a real person in this business. Um, and that has been the case. That is the biggest thing is, you know, like you go in, you walk into a room and people are like, oh, Emmy winner. And even though it doesn't, it's not a reflection of you as a person, it means that you have, you know how to work in this business. So that felt great. Well, that's awesome. Um, thank you for, for talking about that a bit. I, no problem. I, I know there's a lot of people who listen to this who, again, you know, like you said, slave over the keyboard and just try to create good content. And um it's just nice to hear this. Um, I, uh, I, 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 I can't let you crooked media. Give me something. Give me something to, to I look can't, forward I can't. to. You can't oh, well, give me anything. Well, I can't. Well, in the coming weeks, we're uh, we're going to be releasing some trailers and stuff that will announce the things that we're doing. Okay. I would just say broadly that, like, if you like what I've been doing in the past, you will continue to like the stuff that I'm doing in the future. Let's just say I'll that. I'll take that. I'll take yeah. that. Um. I, uh, I said all these accolades about you and I forgot the most important one, which is that you uh, once did a two hour and what was it? 15 minute podcast on Thor, the, the dark world or was it two, <laughs> two hour and I listened, theoretically, I listened to most of it. Thank you. Theoretically, theoretically the worst Marvel movie, but that's just how insane uh, Mal and I get on. And when we talk about that stuff, I mean, you know, here's the thing. This is one of my theories about, about just like criticism, I guess, or, or, uh, creating content the dumber the setup the harder i will work on it you know like i i i worked for i wrote a, a piece on the ringer about uh paul pierce did he shit his pants or not uh during the 2008 they NBA put that finals. in your I, sloan bio which i i saw in, a few days ago i love that yeah, by the way yeah and that was a piece where it's like okay i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna chase down every lead i'm gonna kill myself to write this because it's so dumb it's so funny and stupid and that's the way that's the way i i approach it and the same it was the same thing with thor it's kind of like you know when we did uh binge mode star wars and we were doing the prequel movies it was kind of the same thing it was like the worst the movie kind of like in a weird way the more fun it is to talk about it 
but you know, it's, it's inspiring for someone like me who um, for a very long time pod- podcasted about a team that was not very good. Yeah. And you got to come up with some shit <laughs> to talk about. You got to come up with some stuff. You got to talk about something. You got to, you know, you just have to do it. Well, you, you the thing that you've, uh, that you do on your network so well, and you do when you're talking about it is, you know, the thing that, and people, always, when people ask me like, what, how, how do I make my content good? Uh, do people ask you that? How do I make my content? Yeah. I mean, people, I mean, people like, you know, people DM me all the time. Like, Hey, I'm, um, I want to be in podcasting. Or I want to write, or I want to do this and I'll, and I, I don't have like great advice to give people, but the thing that I always try to hew to is, um, you know, at least with my stuff is like, listen, I'm never going to be the best analyst. Zach Lowe is alive. You know, I'm never going to be have, I'm never going to approach him. I'm never going to be, you know, the, I'm never going to be the cap genius, you know? Uh, so what is the thing that I can bring to it that makes it my own? And I think that that's, you know, that's what you do too. It's like, listen, you could go, people could go anywhere and get the most, insightful smart like analysis but they'll come to you if they react to your voice and that's that means you have to put yourself into it in some way like what is the thing what is the version of nick's fandom that only you experience because of the way usually with scotch uh, yeah yeah but like well and that's part of that's how you that's how you you know, uh, that's how you watch Knicks games. That's how you obviously it's part of like processing the, the grief at, at different times. But like. But like, so what is the thing that that only you can bring to it? And that's just finding your voice. And I think that that's it's like the thing that when I read uh, your newsletter, it's like I it's probably because I listen to the podcast, but I can hear your voice behind it. And so that's that's the thing that you want to try and do. All right. Now you're making me blush. So we have to end this interview. Um, <laughs> um, give me. Oh, here. Give me a, a prediction. What's a what's a final record playing 72 games? Uh, we going above 500. You going. What, what, what are we going here? Holding me, you to this. Me. Can't, ever, uh, can't ever escape this. This is going down in okay, permanent. Let's, let's see. I'm going to just quickly. Look at our stats. They are, a, they are, they are here. I, this is a, as of right this second, we're recording this on Sunday night, Valentine's Day night. They have outscored their opponents this season by not one, not two, but three points. I love it. Okay. I'm going to say, I'm going to call us a 500 team. Wow. Okay. I'm going to call us a 500. Team. Expected wins right now over 82 is like 41 and a half over an 82 game season. I'm going to call us a 500 team. Go. And who would have guessed that that would have happened? It's great. We can't score at all, but we're an absolutely swirling defensive team. And I love it. I love how hard they're playing on defense. It's really great. It's, it makes it makes the games fun. Okay, I, now I really am going to let you go, Jason Concepcion. Yeah. Um, if you don't know where to find Jason Concepcion, <laughs> I feel really bad for you. Uh, host of Binge Mode, still um, just the best podcast in the world. Um, oh, can't thanks. wait to see. I really, I mean, this. I cannot wait to see what you do with Crooked Media. Thank you so much. It's a it's a it's a great marriage. Uh, obviously, you know this. Those guys are awesome. You're awesome. I can't wait to see it. And uh, hang around one sec, but thank you everybody for listening to another episode of the show. And we'll be back with another one before you know it.